Okay, last week, very appropriately, on Father's Day, we began this series, which is entitled, Our Father. Turn to your Bibles to Matthew 6, 9. Our Father, Matthew 6, 9. And it is here that Jesus is instructing us how to pray. And he says, pray like this. And girls, how does he begin? Our Father. Our Father. Good morning, mother and daughter. It's great to see you, Deb. Yep. Our Father. Now, let me just tell you about, ready, our Father. Turn to the lady next to you and say, our Father. I really want those words to sink in deeply. Our Father. Let me tell you about our Father. Better yet, I want you to read it too. Turn to your Bibles to Isaiah 45, 18. Isaiah 45, 18. And let me tell you about our Father. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself, that formed the earth and made it. Girls, our Father did that. He hath established it. He hath created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. No one's like our Father. Now, go back another chapter to Isaiah 44 and verse number 24. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, he that, ready, formed thee from the womb. Get a hold of that daughters of the king. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Wow! The power of, ready? Say it. Our Father. Our Father. My Father, our Father, is all power. And we could spend every minute we have this summer just peeling back layer after layer of this unbelievable truth concerning our Father, that he is all power. The thing I want you to dwell on for just a moment is that he's your father, Leslie. He's my father. He's our father, Carol, and he is all power. Now, whatever comes up in your day today, whatever situation or whatever person that makes you feel, ready, powerless. Bring this truth back to your heart and mind. Wait a minute. My father is what? All power. Now, I want to move from that as much as I hate to because we, I love thinking about creation and how he talks about stretching forth the heavens, and, and he did it, and I myself, and there is none other like me, and he's my father. And the very fact that when you put that in your heart, in your head, for the purpose of recalling it all day long, and then you get hit with life's one powerless moments, you know. Karen's standing in her kitchen. What? She's camping out in her kitchen. It makes you feel powerless. And she goes, you know what? My father is all power. And dear Karen, he that stretched forth the heavens and made all things, and he that formed us from the womb, has a great plan for your kitchen. And it's going to be better 
than it was before because our Father does that kind of work. Well, we have to move from all power. We have to go to our Father. My Father is also love. My Father, our Father, is love. I could never know about my Father, our Father, except for the fact that he loved me. Now, with that issue in mind, hello, Cindy! It's great to see you! And it's great to see Shannon, and it's great to see Carissa. Look at this, three seats. How about that? <laughs> Sisters, right? <laughs> okay. And you got to get your cookies. Yeah. Our Father not only is all power, our Father is not only all, all power, but he's what? What is he, girls? He's love. He's all love. God is, fill it in. God is love. And we couldn't even know our Father except it was for his love. So let me tell you about our Father's love. Stay in Isaiah and go back to verse 22 of 44. And this is what our Father's love does. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions. Now dwell on that. You know, I would be so ashamed and so heartbroken if on this great big screen or this whiteout board, every day all Kathy's failings, all Kathy's sins came up. Do you know what my father did? He blotted them out. He put them as the east is from the west. He buried them in the deepest sea. And he doesn't keep reminding me about them. I am not to live with forgiven sin. God says, shame on you, child. It's not in my mind. Why is it in your mind? Well, so-and-so put it there. Well, forgive them and go on and show them that you live forgiven. We're going to get into this because my father provides a home, a safe place for me every day. Jumping ahead in my head, and I just can't wait to get to it. My father, our father, has blotted out my transgressions. But look how he describes it, because this is what we're supposed to get. This is why, Colleen, he gave the eyes to see. It's not so that we can see. No, it's so that we recognize him. We have eyes to see, so we recognize God, our creator. This afternoon, when you drive home from church, you look at the clouds, and you go, oh, you know what? My father, who loves me, who is loved, you know what he did with my sin? Like a thick cloud, like a giant eraser of the best, most absorbent material, like a cloud, he blots out my transgressions. Let the clouds remind you about what your father's love did in your life, and then tell somebody. You see, those clouds, those aren't just clouds that are going to give rain, yeah, like in 10 days. Got to water everything. <laughs> you see those clouds? My father, our father, describes them as child. When you look at those clouds, you remember you're forgiven. Oh, what that does to us on the inside, girls, no matter what we're dealing with, we walk forgiven, Shanda. That's what your freedom sucker is all about. Your freedom sucker, Nicole, is about, I'm free. I have liberty today because my transgressions, my sins are blotted out. Now, I, gotta I have to finish this verse. Apart... Um, verse 20, 22, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Now here comes a really tender part about our Father's love. It's so personal. Look what he says. Tell the lady next to you what he says. Return. Return. Return unto me. Why? 
for I have redeemed thee. Now, this connects us with last week's lesson. Remember last week as we talked about our father's love and the prodigal son? The prod Basically, in Isaiah here, God is saying, child, come home. Come home, return. And now, as we reference last week's lesson, it is God who wrote the story of the prodigal from his own broken heart. I'm so glad that when sin separated me from my father's love and I turned my back and I walked away in my own way, he did not burn the bridge. What did he do, girls, according to last week? He built a way to what? Come home. To come home, he built a way. And in Isaiah, again, this is the expression of our father's love. I've forgiven you. Yeah, I've blotted him out at great cost. I love you. Come home. Because, here's the part where we're finally going to get into some other part. Why? Because there's no place like home. God has provided home. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah, that's right, Dorothy. There is no place like home. Understand that God set up the home, the family dynamic, to be an example, to be a daily hands-on experience of what he wants us to find in him. Because I don't care what it is in life, God made that, his whole plan for the family, for home, for husband and wife, for children, was so we could understand what we can only find in him. We are spirit, and we worship in spirit, and there's a whole bunch there that we're not going to get to until next week. And it's really cool because it's so much like a mystery. And I love mysteries. And we are mysteries, aren't we? We are fearfully and wondrously made, and the mystery gets weirder and weirder the older you get. <laughs> but it's such a mystery. It's such a mystery. But God set up the family and the, the family dynamic and the mother and the father, the husband and the wife, the man and the woman and the children and the home so that we would have every day the experience of of enjoying, that's what it was supposed to, that's what it was created to be, what we find in him as God is our home. God is our refuge. God is our safety. God is our security. God is home. God is home, sweet home. So with that in mind, thinking about God is my home and your home and my home, the first thing that God wants me to relish in our relationship because he is my father, our father, is his acceptance. His acceptance. Nobody knows you like those in your home know you. <laughs> Nobody knows me like my father knows me. My father, our father, knows my thoughts before I say it. Think them. That's how well he knows me. And still loves me. Because he's my home. He's my father. Wow. Now, he still loves me. It's a love that we cannot even imagine. And do you know what God's thoughts are toward you? I mean, when you know something bad about somebody, what are your thoughts toward them? 
not so good until you get it right, till the Holy Spirit convicts you and says what? Pray for them. My father knows all about me. He knows my rottenness even before it happens. But you know what his thoughts are toward me and you? You won't believe it. Ready? Psalm 45, the verse you need to memorize. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to us word. Many. So many they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare them and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. If I did nothing but speak of all that you have done for me and do for me, they are more than can be numbered. I can't even say enough words to describe and tell them. Those are your thoughts toward me, God, my Father. Here's a piece of KJV advice, Kathy Jackson version. Stop thinking about what people are thinking about you. And start thinking about what your father thinks about you. And dwell on that. And girls, when that is what fills our mind, that is when what we have put in our heart about, we can't even begin to peel back all the layers of our father's love and his thoughts toward us. But when we do, when we start with simple childlike faith and say, Father, thank you for thinking good thoughts about me. And we find out what he says about me. He says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, wondrously made. And God never makes mistakes, and I don't do goofs, and I have a plan for your life, and I love you. And I gave my only begotten son so that you could have life forever and find home sweet home in me. And not only that, child, you can do all things through me. And whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all your might, and I'm going to strengthen you. So much so that even when you get older and you can't do things as fast and as efficiently and you can't even remember what you're supposed to do, I'm going to let you rise up with wings as eagles. And you're going to accomplish exactly in this day what I've made for you to accomplish. So glory in it. Stop thinking so much about what people think toward you or about you and dwell on the fact about what God thinks about you. That's what encourages me. That's what strengthens me. That's what validates me. When I make so many goofs or so many mistakes, oh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. How many of you made a mistake last week? How many forgot something you were supposed to remember last week? Okay, that doesn't define you. Your father's thoughts about you and what he says about you defines you. And you can't believe how he takes my mistakes and your mistakes and your thoughts or your thoughtlessness and he makes something good from it as you commit it to him. (laughs) God set up home to mirror what we have in him. Salvation provides acceptance. (laughs) He knows all about me. He lives in me. I'm at home with God, and he still loves me. It's acceptance. Do you know how good it feels to live accepted? <clears throat> Excuse me. Sam, do you have your cookie there? You know, when you live, oh, the frosting. Be careful when you take that off. <laughs> broken. Isn't this life a picture of a broken cookie? But you know what God says? doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You're cookie that represents our lesson today represents red white and blue what does it stand for 
freedom. I am free to be me because God made me and God accepts me. And that gives me a freedom to be me. <gasps> I'm so relieved that I can be me. And I don't have to live subject to other people or other opinions or other situations when I can live subject to God's opinion. I'm free to be me. And it's okay to be me. Matter of fact, God made me to be me and will teach me how to be the best me I can be as I conform myself to his dear image and take on that family resemblance. You know, when you're loved and when you're accepted, this is what you do. It's Clint. Relax. You live relaxed. You don't live wound tightly. You don't live defensively because you're always trying to validate yourself or make a reason why you are the way or I am the way I am. The excuses fall aside and you stand free and in the liberty of God's opinion and God's grace in my life. Now, God set up the home for me to know what I can find in him. And the application of all that I've just presented to you is this. The application is, in your home, in my home, do those in my home know they are loved just the way they are? Do they know the freedom of being totally accepted? Can they relax at home with all their perceived weirdness or oddities or differences and know they are loved and accepted? That's my accountability question for each of us this afternoon. Do I pass on what God has given me in what I have found in him because he has so richly graced my life with love and acceptance and grace? Do I pass it on? Can I pass it on this afternoon? Oh, please, God, I can't wait for somebody to make a mistake so I can, by your grace, give them the grace you've given me. That's what makes acceptance in the home. That's what makes love secure. But so often, we revert back to walking in the flesh. Do I live accepting those in my, or do I live in pridefulness, arrogantly disdainful because you aren't just like me? Or you don't stack the dishwasher correctly? Or um, you can't mow a straight line. Or is there such a continual, you know, we get so that we don't even recognize our lack of edification and our lack of praise, and it always comes out with an edge. It's rooted in my pridefulness. When something can always be done, when something is always tweaked. Have you ever done something, and I always have somebody who's tweaking it, fixing it, because it wasn't done quite right? Don't become that instead. And by the way, if you have a lot of that, first of all, if you have it in your children, stop it. You're in charge. You're in charge. You stop it. And you openly edify and you openly encourage and you teach it to your children how to support one another. Do you know the term henpecked? Okay. Um, that comes from a little chick that is different or a little chick that's been packed or hurt in some way. And do you know the barnyard mentality? Do you know what it is? 
Tina's had to separate a little chick because it got hurt. And if she wouldn't have separated that little chick, all the other chicks, the hens, the roosters, would have kept on pecking and picking on it until it would have been destroyed. Don't you see that happening in homes, girls? God forbid that it doesn't happen in mine. And dear Father, make me aware of it when I start becoming like that, which is so natural. It is so natural to live in the flesh. And we get blind to what we are naturally. It is only the Spirit of God who lives inside of me, who, who is at home in me, so that I can provide and make and nurture a home that reflects who, ready, our Father is. Our Father. Have you uh, ever felt like you can never measure up? Have you ever felt that no matter what you do, it just isn't quite right? What happens into the heart of you and me or a child or a husband when they never measure up? You know what they do? Quit. They quit. They quit on life. They quit on each other. And they find other places where they will be validated. And it's heartbreaking of what goes on in a home that's meant to reveal our Father. I love this story. Stephen Glenn, a famous research scientist, had made several... Oh, this is talking about failures. We have to end in one or two minutes, so I, of course, can't finish this. So you're going to have a failure that's going to happen this afternoon. Here's your homework. Here's my homework. Get excited about somebody being less than, not like you and me. <laughs> Get excited about that for the purpose of revealing our Father. The best way we do that is when mistakes are made. When um, irritants come up. Stephen Glenn, a famous research scientist who made several important medical breakthroughs, was being interviewed by a newspaper reporter who asked him why he thought he was able to be so much more creative than the average person. What sets you so far apart? He responded that, oh! <laughs> I responded. Thank you. Well, I tell you what we'll have to do, girls. We'll have to, Lord willing, come back next week. I can't wait to reveal how you and I get to be not just recipients of God's grace of our Father, but we get to pass it on. God bless you as you race into church. <laughs>